Welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 337. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, yeah, this is the listener interaction show. Uh, you know, we try to, to deal with what, what what's up in the in negative positives land. And uh, I'll start off with emails. I only have one email this week, and it comes from uh, Mr. Malcolm Myers. And uh, <laughs> he sends a... Uh, in the uh, last show, uh, I introduced Roxana Angles as being from Big Bone Lick, Kentucky, uh, California, which Big Bone Lick is actually a state park here in Kentucky. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to find weird towns to uh, introduce Roxana, uh, falsely introduce as Roxana's, uh, you know, uh, where she's from. And it's some, some, a little kind of an ongoing joke we've had on the podcast. And I actually put a thread up on the Negative Pauses uh, Facebook group uh, asking for people to like list their hometowns or any funny towns in their area. And I have a list of a ton of funny uh, towns and city names to uh, uh, announce as Roxana's location. Probably enough already to last me to episode episode 700 and something, I think. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, Malcolm just simply sends an email that says, uh, that's titled Big Bone Lick. And he says that was a very funny introduction. But then gives me a link to where I can get my own very own uh, big bone lick uh, t-shirt because I remember on that episode uh, last week where <laughs> I said I'd love to have a t-shirt and I'm surely they sell t-shirts by the caseload uh, in that area because uh, it's a funny name so uh, <laughs> thank you Malcolm for the link I'm going to have to uh, order me one of these big bone lick uh, Kentucky uh, t-shirts now so cost me a little money but I, I definitely appreciated it thank you Malcolm uh, also uh, I wanted to mention I'm going to give a little shout out to Mr. Alex Lokes from the Classic Camera Revival podcast. He has recently kind of revived his uh, YouTube channel and is doing a fine job. He put up a video uh, on his YouTube channel uh, about the Mamiya M645, Mama Mamiya, and uh, Kodak T-Max 400. And uh, if you go, if you want to check out that video, uh, go to his YouTube channel, which is just under his name, Alex Lokes, which is uh, Alex A-L-E-X, and it's L-U-Y-C-K-X. Uh, uh, it's his new, uh, well, it's not his new YouTube YouTube channel. He's just kind of revived it and uh, seems to be making plans going forward with that. Uh, but the cool thing was uh, Alex used some of my... Um, my background music, some of my uh, music that I've put out on Bandcamp uh, for this video, and uh, it was a real thrill to, to see or to hear some of my music on his uh, really excellent video, and he's doing a great job with that, so I'm looking forward to uh, more YouTube videos from Mr. Alex Lokes from the Classic Camera Revival Podcast, and uh, yeah, so check check that out, and uh, uh, if you um, happen to be doing, uh, also Alex has a web uh, site as well, it is uh, www.alexlokes.com. A-L-E-X-L-U-Y-C-K-X uh, dot com. Uh, thank you, Alex, for uh, using my, my music on your really excellent YouTube video. And uh, I got a, a real thrill out of that. So, uh, folks, if you happen to need some royalty-free Creative Commons licensed music out there uh, for whatever productions you might be doing, uh, podcasting, YouTube channels, or whatever you may be needing music for, uh, I do have a ton of music uh, up uh, that you that's uh, free free to be used under a Creative Co- Creative Commons license, and that is on uh, Bandcamp. It's uh, www.mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. Always a thrill to uh, see people using my music to help their their other creative outlets. So I, I get I get a big kick out of that. So okay, uh, next thing up is. You know, I, I mentioned um, 
that I was uh, participating in the Louisville Unfair again this year. Uh, it was kind of a different one because of COVID. And uh, so basically uh, several of the artists, there was like four artists each week of the month of October uh, got to display um, and, uh, in, this, in the bar that we usually uh, do this uh, art show at uh, their backyard. But because of COVID, they let us set up a display in the back of the bar. And honestly, I went into this thinking, this, I'm going to do this as a, as a, you know, as a representative of the of the Louisville Unfair, but I don't really expect to sell anything. I think I might even said that on the podcast. Uh, well, I go. So I had one week. It was like the second week of October. I was uh, on display there, uh, along with three other artists. And uh, I, I go in uh, the at at the end of the week to pick up what's you know pick up my pieces and see if I sold anything. And I was shocked. <laughs> I actually sold like uh, I don't know, like twelve pieces. Um, 12 uh, framed photos uh, uh, it just really blew me away I expected to go there and like maybe I, maybe only sold like one or maybe it's not sold any end up selling like 12 framed photos so uh, very very cool I was very happy about that and uh, just it, you know and honestly this wasn't really uh, something I thought was any of my best work or anything like that but I just found it um, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here like uh, kind of a positive thing that even and during these times people are still looking to buy art and uh i know economically things are a little little disheveled right now <laughs> so uh and uh, just the fact that you know people are still buying art uh which is you know it's, it's not an essential purchase right uh so i was very happy about that i couldn't believe it when i went in there i, I walked in the back room uh, where they had the display at and expected to be taking down a ton of photos and i didn't have a whole lot left in my wall <laughs> which was a really good thing really really cool so i just just made, made my day. So folks, if you ever think about, uh, uh, you know, what to do with your photography, if you never try to do an art show, uh, you know, I'm sure every town has local art shows. And I, I think it's a really good way to uh, uh, really get some satisfaction out of your photography. Put it out there for the people to see. See if people want to buy it. If they don't, no biggie. You know, uh, hey, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to shoot photos anyway. But uh, if people do buy it, it's just, it's always, to me, it's just like uh, a real, uh, 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 it really does kind of keep you motivated. It's like, wow, people have thought enough of, of my work to uh, to purchase something, to open up their wallets and give me some of their hard-earned cash, especially during these times. And uh, so, yeah, I, I encourage anybody to try to uh, sell their photography uh, at art shows. And uh, it's, it's fun. And, uh, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's you, you, you will learn something about uh, how people... Uh, react to your photography and what resonates with people and what doesn't so uh, always a good, uh, good it's a good uh, good way to kind of kind of you know just uh, improve I think and so there you go all right uh, I think uh, let's see what else do we have here um, I think we're gonna get to okay oh no I got a package in the mail I got to get this out obviously I did a, a face cast on it this last weekend uh, a couple days ago on uh, Saturday morning and I got a package from uh, Mrs. Roxana Angles uh, one of everyone's favorite co-captains there's a little nice little uh, note in here. It's a kind of handmade note with a little glued-on uh, flower uh, uh, on the front of it. Uh, a real, real live flower uh, glued onto the front of it. And, uh, well, I guess it's not live anymore, right? So, <laughs> but the note says, uh, Mike, here's the book I have been forever talking about. I do hope you enjoy. I also included a print and a copy of the pinhole edition of the Lomography Mag. Thought you'd like it. Please send my love to Manette. Love all she creates. Roxana. Well, thank you, Roxana, for such a nice note. And I definitely will pass that on to 
uh, Mrs. Manette Gutterman. Uh, she's talking about Manette's sewing creations that Manette frequently posts on uh, Instagram. And uh, so if you want to see what my wife does on Instagram with uh, her sewing, it's uh, just Manette uh, on Instagram. Uh, just J-U-S-T, Manette, M-A-N-E-T-T-E. Uh, so give her a follow. Uh, that's what my wife's up to. But yes, in this package is a, a copy uh, issue 18 of Light Leaks, the low fidelity photography magazine. Uh, wow, when was this? When did this come out? Well, it's Hoga Palooza 2010, so I'm guessing somewhere around there. But in this uh, uh, magazine, this Light Leaks magazine, which I've never had a copy of this, I remember when it was out, and um, it was uh, I always wanted to give me some copies of it. Never did. I don't think they do this anymore, and they really should because it's a fantastic magazine. Um, but yeah, this is all Hoga uh, photos, and I. Uh, I just have been completely inspired by it. Um, uh, folks, you know how much I love a Hoga, and sometimes I wonder if I shouldn't just sell a bunch of my cameras and really concentrate on Hoga uh, photography because I just love it. It's some of the most fun photography that I do. I, I just I, I can't hardly ever go out and shoot no matter what camera without at least bringing the Hoga, and uh, I just have so much fun with it. And some of my favorite photos I've ever taken have been on a Hoga. But looking at this magazine. The Slight Leaks magazine with all these Hoga submissions. Uh, it just, man, it's it's really been inspired me to like, uh, I don't know if it can inspire me to use my Hoga more because I already use it just about every time I go out. But uh, it's just, the beauty of those, those cameras are capable of capturing for such a, a simple camera is uh, what completely blows me away. And I just love the look of Hoga shots. And uh, there's a bunch of different categories in this uh, magazine, and uh, and like it tells the winners of of Hoga Palooza 2010. But the main thing is this uh, just an ex extremely ex inspiring magazine to look at. So thank you, uh, Roxanne. That definitely is right up my alley. And then she also sends me a print, like uh, a matted uh, print, and uh, it's a beautiful print of a pier. Has those uh, magical. Uh, Roxana Angle's uh, colors uh, <laughs> that she is so so uh, uh, often puts in her has in her photography. Uh, it's uh, this kind of look is uh, one of the reasons I originally asked her to come on as a guest of the show and then uh, eventually as a co-captain uh, because I just love her work. And so I got this beautiful print from her, matted and signed uh, by Mrs. Roxana Angle's. And uh, it's a yeah, it's a it's of a pier has like a uh, looks. Like, I don't know if this is Lomo purple or not, but definitely has a purplish cast. To it. Uh, I had to reach out to her tonight before I hit the record button here because I, I wanted to know what this uh, what this print was printed on. It's a color print. It looks like metallic paper, and my first thought was um, the Kodak Endura metallic paper because I love that paper. Uh, if you've not ever had any of your prints printed on metallic photo paper, uh, I usually use like mpix.com, mpix.com, uh, and get their Kodak Endura uh, metallic, and I've gotten some crazy good prints uh from them uh just this uh, metallic paper has like this sheen to it and uh on certain angles and it just has this uh, luminescence i guess is the right word and if you've never had any of your photos printed on metallic paper i, I definitely uh, uh recommend it like some photos on it you you'll you'll notice it no matter what photo but some photos it'll like the metallic uh, uh quality of the paper will will translate more than others but I've had a combination of black and whites done on it and color and wow it's just great it's one of my favorite papers it's one of the few times I'll go to a lab to get prints made is to get that metallic paper otherwise I just use the, uh, the HP instant ink printer because yeah it's the hottest trend in uh, home inkjet printing is taking over the world by storm but uh, but so I reached out to Roxana before hitting the record button here to find out what this paper was 
And she found, uh, it turns out she got it from Amazon, Amazon prints, and, uh, uh, or Amazon photos, I guess. And uh, it's, this particular paper is called uh, Pearl, uh, and it says, uh, high gloss finish, pearly mica crystals embedded in the paper provide a distinctive iridescent look, which I, I, I definitely think it does. And uh, it looks a lot like metallic paper to me. They're not really calling it metallic, metallic they're calling it pearl, but uh, this is a beautiful paper too. And uh, just a, a wonderful print, and I'm gonna have to, uh, frame this and get it on a wall in the Gutterman estate at some point uh, in the near future here. But the main reason for this package is her new book. And she's mentioned it on the last uh, show. Her new book is out. It's called An Introduction to Mindfulness Through Photography, a six-week a six-week guide to reduce stress and anxiety from Roxana Angles. Uh, on the back, it says, you, uh, you might want to seek a way to live more peacefully. This has been created for those who want to uncover their inner calm. Yes, we all have calm inside of us. I have created a simple, easy-to-follow process that will bring you into the world of mindfulness. These steps are carefully curated activities that weave in practices that help anxiety subside with the fun of photography. If you suffer from stress, anxiety, grief, or any other large emotion, please read on. I will take you through my journey in developing a more peaceful mindset. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to reading this book. It's a, it's a, it's going to be a fast read. It's not a huge uh, volume here. So uh, I, I find myself with not much time to read these days. Uh, uh, so this is going to be something that I can actually uh, uh, digest <laughs> because uh, I just don't have the time to read like I used to. And uh, But the cool thing about this book is not only... Uh, you know, uh, this, the steps of this process that she's uh, using to, uh, as a counselor in her school, to help kids with anxiety and uh, other issues uh, through photography. Uh, which is basically the basis of this book is what she's learned by doing her school program. Uh, but throughout, sprinkled throughout the book, is also some wonderful of, uh, examples of her photography. And uh, so you get it's 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 a win-win, folks. You get you get a uh, a way to find your inner a book to help you find your inner calm, and you get some um, wonderful sprinklings of. Uh, of Rox Mrs. Roxana Angle's uh, beautiful photography. So it's almost like you get one, a photo book from her and you get to uh, help your inner calm. So uh, folks, I, I would definitely heartily recommend uh, anybody pick this book up and support Roxana on this and uh, either in, in her school program or by buying this book. Uh, I think um, if it doesn't help you, it could certainly help somebody we know. And uh, surely somebody knows, uh, everybody knows somebody that could probably benefit from a book like this, particularly if they have an interest in photography. So uh, just, uh, I can't wait to, to dive in and read this thing and, and say, hey, maybe see if it helps me. Maybe it'll cure some of the things that I uh, kind of go off about in my life uh, a little too easily. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I actually kind of want my youngest son to read this. Uh, my youngest son, Gibson has uh has had some anxiety issues and uh, he's gotten a whole lot better as he's gotten older and uh, through some school counselors uh, have really helped him out a lot too uh but and he's had a, a slight interest in photography so this book might be something after i read it might pass it down to him see if it might uh not only help him uh get, get further along his his path of uh overcoming some anxiety issues but also hey maybe uh get him a little more interested in, in taking up photography as a hobby because uh uh, I think uh, that would make me a, a very proud dad, right? So, <laughs> uh, okay, and uh, let's see what else do we have here. Oh, thank you, Roxana Angles, for the book and the print and the magazine. Uh, very, very cool. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, hey, folks. Uh, oh, yeah, and to, to, to get her book, uh, the easiest way is just go to her Instagram, Roxana Log, and uh, go to her profile, and there is a link tree, uh, uh, like a link 
uh, that will take you to a, where you can where you can get her book, or just you know hit her up on the Facebook group, or uh, send her a direct message on Instagram, or you could even email this program negpositives at gmail.com, and we will hook you up with uh, how to get a copy of uh, uh, Roxanna Engel's wonderful new book, an introduction to mindfulness. Uh, through photography, so uh, good, good job, uh, Roxana. We're all very proud of you for uh, completing uh, completing something that, that must have been a, a, a real a real challenge to write your first book. So that's uh, certainly something I've never tried to do. So, all right, uh, I think we're gonna have a uh, let's go ahead and get a call and camera view in here. Uh, this is going to come from Jim Graves, and uh, I wrote this down without re-listening back to the interview, so I'm probably going to not pronounce this right. But it's the Meyer Optic Gorlitz. 30 millimeter f3.5 lighteth review that has to be the longest uh, name of a lens uh, it's ever been manufactured so <laughs> but let's listen to uh i guess a call-in lens review from mr jim graves and uh, we'll check out what jim has to say about that uh, right now hi mike jim graves here and i thought i would uh, finally pull up the big boy's pants and, and do a call-in review um what i'm actually going to do is read an entry from my blog which is entitled My Journey Into Photography. And you can find that on uh, Google Blogger, jimgravesphoto.blogspot.com. And uh, this is an entry from Monday 28th of September this year, 2020. And it's about a lens that I recently acquired, a Meyer Optic Gurlitz 30mm f3.5 Lidith. And the blog says... Like most people, I have a bucket list of things to do before I shuffle off this mortal coil and join the choir invisible. It's not your average bucket list that involves dangerous feats of daring do. Other folk can do that daft stuff. I just keep my bucket list simple with things that I have a chance of achieving. Several items on my bucket list are photography related and include the subject of this week's blog. There are a few lenses and cameras on my bucket list and I managed to tick one off recently when I was finally able to purchase a Maya Optic Gurlitz Lidith on eBay. I've bid on several over the last few years but I've either been outbid or the price has just gone way above my spending limit which is an important thing that everyone should have when shopping on eBay. Have a limit, stick to it. And uh, my patience was rewarded with a decent lens for less than 30 quid recently, which is about, what, 50 bucks, 40 bucks, something like that. Anyway, when it arrived, I was like a kid at Christmas, opening a present, and now it was in my hands, I had to start using it immediately. First things first, I gave it a good clean. A couple of minutes of care soon had me grinning, as I could see I had bought a good quality item. The lens I bought was a quirk of advancing technology in the 1950s and 60s. It has a preset aperture function. You pull the aperture ring out, turn the ring to the selected aperture you want to use, release the ring with the indicator pointing at the number you've chosen, and then you open the aperture wide open to find your composition and focus. Once you've done that, turn the aperture ring to your chosen aperture and it won't go past that number until you decide you want to select another aperture. You can just turn it straight to your aperture and click. And uh, this is sort of like a halfway house between the totally manual lenses and uh, you know, those like my Helios 44 M4 that has an auto aperture pin that's pushed in by the camera mechanism as you take your shot. Anyway, it didn't take me long to figure out how to use it. 
fitted the Lidith, Lidith Ultimate Pentax SP500, the true working man's camera, loaded a roll of HP5 in it and went for a walk. I never tire of the local nature at trails and farm roads in my area. It's been particularly nice to be able to get out and about this year despite the Rona and enjoy my photo walks. On this particular day I was treated to billowy clouds and ever-changing light. It was perfect for using a yellow filter for some of the wide shots as I experimented with Melidith. The preset aperture can be fiddly behind a filter holder but I soon got used to it and the only thing wrong with using it on my film camera first was having to wait until I developed the film when I got home. However, I always go well armed and I have my Nikon D700 and an M42 to F mount adapter in my bag. Didn't take long to shoot a roll of film and I swapped the lens onto my D700 and began shooting digital. And believe it mate, I did a heck of a lot of chimping while I made my way home. From the digital images I could see the optical quality of a lens that was made in the 1960s was still top notch. Meyer Optic had a great reputation for quality before Germany was split in two after the war. It's to the credit of the German photographic industry that they not only rebuilt their industry from rubble, but also after having most of their stock and machinery taken in reparations. I can tell somebody had put not just their skills into making my Lidith, but a fair amount of love for their craft too. It wasn't long before I developed my film and marvelled at the sharpness of the images I got and I was marvelling at the creamy softness at those I slightly missed the focus on. It's just one of those lenses, you get the sweet spot, sharp as a pin, but if you're a little bit out, it doesn't matter. It's just beautiful, sweet, creamy bokeh. And, uh, I'm not sure about whether it would have given me the same result in, in any other developer but I developed mine used, uh, using HC110 Dilution B and I am very happy with the results. I'm no stranger to Soviet and East German lenses but this is on its own level entirely. Centre sharpness, bang on. The fall off is so smooth when shooting close up that your subject almost melts out of focus towards the edges. This is one bucket list lens I will never regret buying and it's going to be living on my Pentax SP500 for quite some time to come. Anyway, hope you enjoy my little, uh, my little attempt at a calling. It's, uh, it's not something I do very often. Um, back in 2013 I had a stroke and it affected my speech. And it's, it's taken quite some time to get the uh, get the balls sorted to do this again so uh, yeah you might be hearing from me again Mike and uh, I'll, I'll read you another another instalment of me blog at some point in the future but uh, till then stay positive and shoot some cool film photos well thank you Mr. Jim Graves for your Colin Lens review of the Meyer Optic Gorlitz 30mm f3.5 Lidith review. And hey, uh, it's nice to hear you're using it on a Pentax, a true working man's camera. So that's got to be a good working man's lens, right? So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and, 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 and well, well done, sir. Like, uh, it, it cracks me up that 
everybody that sends in call-in camera reviews or what, any kind of call-ins, they're actually better speakers than I am. They don't stumble over the, uh, the their words like I do with the uhs and the ahs and the and the ums and the uh, I don't knows and the you knows that I that I do. And uh, <laughs> everybody does a better job at speaking on this podcast than I do. And the weird thing is, folks, I was in radio. I did radio for uh, like a, a couple years and, and some TV production where I, 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 I actually did a lot of voice work. <laughs> <laughs> I should be better at this, but I, I think I'm out of practice. <laughs> 337 uh, episodes, and I'm still uh, still haven't my uh, <laughs> broadcasting speaking has not gotten any better. So, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Jim Graves, uh, for that excellent re- excellent review and Colin. And uh, yes, by all means, bring bring uh, give me some more. And um, folks, if you have anything in your photography journey, your film photography journey that you would like to speak about, uh, just anything at all, any thoughts in your mind, anything you want to get off your chest in your film photography world, uh, by all means, record a little call in. Uh, however, whatever means possible of recording some audio, easiest way is on your phone with your uh, voice recording app or whatever. And just, uh, yeah, record any sort of audio. You can do it on computer if you want to get fancy schmancy. But just send the file, uh, the audio file, to negpositives at gmail.com. I'll put it in the queue to get on the air. Uh, I've had, I'm, not, I'm not at emergency levels of low, but you know, there's, I've got a few. But uh, it's, uh, you, know, you can get on the show pretty, pretty soon if you uh, get us a, a, any sort of call in. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a good way to get on the show before I can uh, schedule you to be a guest on the show because we want to have everybody in the community as a guest at some point on the show. Uh, so that's that's kind of kind of the, the my, my plan. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're going to take us a little break. And after this break, we're going to hear part two of Mr. Andre Dominguez, uh, everyone's favorite other uh, (laughs) co-captain, interviewing uh, with his interview with Chris Visser and Brian Caparici. I played uh, part one in the last solo show like a couple weeks ago. This will be part two, so we're going to finish their conversation. Uh, Mr. Andre Dominguez uh, doing an interview with uh, uh, Chris Visser and Brian Caparici. And uh, hey, uh, just letting you know, uh, large format alert, right? It's going to be pretty large format photography, uh, uh heavy on this one. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what they that's what they were talking about. So, all right, we'll take a break and then we'll uh, check that, uh, part two, uh, of their, of their conversation, uh, right after the break. So, uh, uh we will be right back folks. It's interesting um, with, with with the Shenhao, just like for anyone listening that's looking at like the various options and, and, and all that. I think one of the things that was most attractive to me and Chris, I think you're probably like feeling the same way because because you, you've got the Shenhao coming. It's like the flexibility that you actually have in the Shenhao is is unlike most cameras in its category. Like you have basically full movements on both the front and the rear standard. Like you're almost as close to, to full movements that you would have in a monorail. You may not have the yeah. same amount of movements that you'd have in a monorail because you have a lot more space to move in a monorail. But um, with my with my Shenhao, like I 
and again, I'm, I'm still only a couple months in, but I haven't found any situation yet where I'm like, oh, I need to go a bit further. I need to, you know, tilt this or swing this or do this a bit more. Like it's it's very flexible. So for anyone listening that's like, you know, considering the wooden field cameras, um, I would definitely recommend the Shenhao just for that reason. You have more movements than you would and I think almost any of the other wooden field cameras. And they're pretty affordable use. Like, I mean, they're affordable brand new as well, but like they yeah. tend to be like half the cost if you're if they're used. And like for paying not much more than uh, for paying not much more than you would pay for like um, a Crown Graphics Speed Graphic in good condition or mm-hmm. a brand new Intrepid. You're getting a, a much more. Um, I mean, I, I I'm only saying this based on what I've read and based on what I've known from Brian. I haven't actually physically held one yet. <laughs> but you're getting something that's much more robust and solid than any of those. Yeah, a hundred percent. Obviously, if you're going to go backpacking, you know, a two two and a half pound Intrepid might sound better than a four six pound Shenhao, but you know, what are you doing with it? You know. Well, so here, here's a question that I have for for both of you because we uh, we've all taken I think a similar uh, journey in terms of what cameras we started out with and and what cameras we're moving towards. I'm kind of veering off in a little bit of a different direction, um, but what would you guys say are good starting points to large format for anybody that is you know listening to this, uh, you know seeing some of the images images that that Brian and and uh, and Chris are are putting out. What do you think would be a good starting point? I know that we've mentioned uh, Chroma. I know that we've mentioned you know Speed Graphics, Crown Graphics. I mean, I I love my Crown Graphic. I'm not planning on selling it just because I got the Shenhao. Like at worst, it's still going to be like a great, beautiful shelf queen because it's just a beautiful camera. Um, but I also do really like it. Um, and I just, and I think, I'm, I'm not always sentimental with cameras, but this one really just feels very special. Um, so, I feel like I'm, I'm still gonna keep it, and I might occasionally still use it. Um, so I would recommend a Crown Graphic or a Speed Graphic. The problem, in you know, with um, these old press cameras is that they are super old. So you want to make sure you buy one from someone you trust or from someone who accepts returns, um, and and that it's you know it's working or that it's something you can get repaired relatively cheaply like i when i got mine the ground glass was pretty dim and 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 kind of beat up i mean press usually ground glass on these press cameras are dim anyways but i bought um a new ground glass from randy i can't remember his name but he does holga mods um but he does a lot of other things than just the holga modifications so he um makes makes ground glass and he actually has the design that I bought, someone else had commissioned from him, and now he just sells it. Is one that has like you know your your uh, markers for like six by twelve, six by nine, six by eight, six by seven, and then also um, for FP one hundred, you know, pack film. And I have some pack film left, and a pack and a Polaroid pack film graph lock back um, that I you know use. I actually just got like a bunch of FP three thousand B, which I'm excited to use on the Shenhao. Um, I wasn't using it on the crowd graphic, but now I have a better camera to use it on. So that's just something like to be aware of if you are starting with like, like you know, they're definitely from a price standpoint a lot cheaper and a less barrier to entry. Um, but there are like downsides with getting one because they're old. 
the quality can be can vary um you know you, you know i love mine but like de- there's definitely some like um creakiness to it so like and i don't have um a uh what's it called a, a preview lever there's a button i have to hold while i fire the shutter and that triggers like <laughs> it keeps the lens open um so it's kind of like finicky and stuff but i you know i'm just used to it but i'm excited for when the shed out comes with this two you know two ten millimeter lens to have like an actual focus or not a, uh, a preview like lever or button um that i'm not like having to like hold three things to do <laughs> so, <laughs> i could imagine um, but i think starting with like a press camera I, that's what i've done and i really enjoy it um and like in terms of like price it's relatively uh easy to start with like i think i paid I got like a deal, but I think I paid like two fifty shipped for my Crown Graphic, and it came with like two holders, the Kodak Ektar lens, and then obviously the Crown Graphic itself. Um, and you can generally get them between like you know your Crowns and Speed Graphics uh, between like two hundred and four hundred dollars, you know, um, for a full kit with a lens and some film holders. You know, I would you know I. I've never tried an Intrepid and I, I was kind of like, if, if I go to the next step, I want to go something better than an Intrepid because the Intrepid felt like not a huge step up from a crown graphic. I may be completely wrong about that. Um, but it just felt like I wanted something more robust and that's why, you know, I wanted the Chamonix or ended up with a Shenhao. Um, but Intrepid is more affordable as well. It's obviously very light, um i just know that like they have huge lead time so if like if you want one if you're thinking about one, buy one now because it's usually like six to 12 <laughs> weeks to get one right what about you brian what are your what are your thoughts on this Re- regardless of what path you you actually ended up taking if you could kind of start over where would you where do you think you would go in terms of gear choices if, if I could talk to the Brian from three months ago, what would I tell him? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I think one of the things I've come to realize, um, and, and this is true with with shooting film in general, but I think it's emphasized with with large format now, is like to look at intent, right? Like look at look at what you're trying to photograph, um, look at what what your goal is with large format. Um, and 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 you know, there's different cameras for different different spaces uh, or different approaches or different intents there. And I think that's that's where um, you know there's there's lots of options uh, for for me. And this is this is you know my opinion on it. Um, I I want to shoot four by five to get obviously to get the big negatives. I mean, I love that. I've got a four by five and larger that I'm just getting the fi- final pieces for tomorrow morning actually from James um, so I can actually do some darkroom printing with it. Um, so obviously, I mean, I love the idea of the big negatives and, and, and that's wonderful. But I think the the look that you can get out of 4x5 with proper movements is unlike anything else that you can get with any other camera. Um, you know, I've got a Roloflex 2.8C, I've got a Hasselblad, so I mean, I can get, you know, nice 6x6 negatives that are arguably still nice and big and lots of resolution and can print large, and so, you know, all of that I can get with 120, so if I'm going to go through the effort of, you know, bringing out a tripod, I mean, guys, I haven't used my tripod in, like, 12 years, like, I'm, like, I'm using the tripod every day now, and I haven't used it in 12 years just because I've never felt the need to use it in any other way. And so, um, you know, if I'm going to go through that effort 
if I'm going to, you know, pull it out, if I'm going to go through the dance, if I'm going to put a, put a subject through the process of being photographed on, on large format, which is a, a very slow process for them. Um, you have to have a good relationship. You've got to build great rapport. You've got to be on the same page. You have to have a connection, um, you know, if you're doing portraits on 4 by 5 And so if I'm going to go through all that, I want to get a look that is going to be different than what I could get with like my Hasselblad or my Roloflex or, or any six by seven or six by nine that you could be photographing on for, for 120. So for me, again, when you talk about approaching it with intent, that's why I, I ultimately ended up with a camera that has the kinds of movements that my Shenhao does because I want to be able to play with perspective. I want to be able to play with the focus plane. I want to be able to tweak with, you know, rise and falls and shifts and all that. And so that camera gives me that. So that would be what I would suggest to, to, to folks listening. If, you know, you're looking for four by five just to get the big negatives, then yeah, I mean, a hundred percent, you could pretty much get, get anything out there and get those big, beautiful negatives. That's no problem. If you want to now, you know, um, just dabble in movements, then yeah, grab something like a press camera that has some front movements, but maybe not the rear movements that you'd get out of a, out of like a, you know, what, what Shen Hao would have. Um, if you want to, you know, just kind of go for the end game, you know, and like, you know, you're going to eventually end up with, with a, uh, a field camera, then, you know, go for something like a Shen Hao or go for something like an Intrepid, because then you're going to have that flexibility to, to play with those movements in a way that you wouldn't otherwise have. But sure. to counter Brian's point, I think everything you said, the, everything that Brian said is great. And I um, agree with like have, doing that focus and intent and like upfront. But I will say to be cautious about like, unless you're, and Brian's not cautious, Brian just goes in full head. But like someone <laughs> like me who's definitely more like, uh, I tend to be more cautious and try to, and try to do things incrementally. Um, I feel like I'm glad I started where I did, where I didn't really. The, ma- the amount of moves you can do in a crown graphic are very minimal to the point where I haven't done anything with them. Um, and I like that I started where I couldn't use movements or didn't use movements so that mm. I wasn't overwhelmed by all the different possibilities you can do in large format. Like it's already yeah. a ho- totally different approach to photography. And, and there's like, like, you know, like people say, there's the dance. There's so many parts to it. So I feel like I'm happy that I started with something where I didn't also have to add in movements to this long list of order of operations. Um, So that's just, but that's my feeling. Other people are like going to, I'm going to go in full force and like, you know, Alan Brock is a great, you know, large format, like landscape photographer. And he went from shooting with like a 5d to large format. Like he didn't like his first film, I think was large format. He didn't even start with like 35 or 120. So there's different types of people. I think, you know, knowing yourself and knowing what you want is probably good. So, like, if you're like, I'd rather learn in a way where I don't have these overwhelming amount of options, starting with something more restrained might be a better thing. But if you're the person who's like, I'm going to go to the wall right away, I'm going to go all the way to a 10, get something more complex that has the movements like a Shenhao or a Chamonix or whatever. Um, I think it's about knowing yourself. But also, like w- with anything that that has movements, um, like so, if you if you end up not necessarily going for something like a Shenhao, for example, but if you if you say, well, yeah, I, I'm I want to get to the point where I 
I have full range of movements and I'm seeing these photos from people like Brian using them to really great effect and you pick something like an Intrepid because of the cost for example maybe an Intrepid a couple film holders um, a, a, a standard lens and sorry a normal lens and uh, maybe like a mod 54 so that you can you know process the film in your Patterson tank for altogether not not that much money uh, all large format cameras that 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 have movements, they'll have either like you know printed indexes or little indents on the different parts that can kind of lock down, uh, so that you can have everything perfectly lined up, the 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 standards completely in line with each other, and and essentially applying no movements to it, and then you know little by little start loosening those up, start you know incorporating a little bit of, of rise and fall, a little bit of uh, shift or tilt or swing. Um, so you don't necessarily have to go down the route of, well, let me pick something that doesn't have movements. For and then sure, absolutely. But, you yeah, know, there's you can, people like Brian who are like, if it's there, I'm going to use it, though. You know, and then, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, just, I just wanted to, to make it clear to any beginners that you can choose a camera that, that can do a bajillion movements um, and just line everything up and kind of get it set to like, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, you can zero it out, and it's basically there are no movements, and that's totally cool and fine. Um, I just feel like sometimes people like the restrictions of not being able to like, if the object's not there, there's nothing to like. You have to think about that, you know? Right. Um, it's just a matter of like, what is your preference? And mm -hmm. I think so. The whole point of Brian being like, what do you? What is your intent? I think that's really what what's key here, knowing what you want to do with it. Like I am excited for the movements, but that's not the reason I got into four by five. Like I love the size of the negative and there's a something just a, even without movements, there's something unique about the look of four by five. Um, and I'm excited to play with movements, but I'm it's, it, that's not the reason I'm doing it. Um, that, that's not even the reason why I'm getting the Shen how like I'm excited for the movements, but I'm also excited just for like, a camera that can rotate the back so I can shoot a portrait yeah. orientation yeah. so my camera isn't at 90 degrees to normal, you know? <laughs> like, stuff like that. I, I think, too, um, something that we haven't touched on, and I know that we've had, like, a number of conversations about this in the NPP group, um, and it's 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 such an, like, an interesting approach, but it's this whole idea of, like, when you're, when you're shooting. Now, no, I, I approach this topic in this conversation definitely much more like being a professional photographer and and you know doing portraits and and all that so so take that with a grain of salt but um for me there's there's something about like the story right the experience of shooting four by five or or i guess you could take this argument with film in general um so so kind of like what chris is saying if you don't have the movements even if you didn't have any movements and you've just got a, a four by five you know, back in a, in, a, in a lens in front of it and you can't do anything other than focus, there's still like a component of it's a very different experience to shoot with it, right? It's a very different experience to do a portrait session on it. You're going to have your your black cloth. You're going to be under there. You're going to be going slower. It's going to be this like, okay, hang on for a second. I'm going to put the, put the film holder in. Okay, hold that. I'm going to take the dark side out. I'm going to press the button with this cable release. Um, you know, you're not like snap, 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 taking all these pictures. And so the whole process, the whole experience of shooting four by five, both for you as the photographer, or the image maker, but also for if you're doing portraits or if you're photographing someone, that 
process for them is very different. And so there's a component of like story there that I think is sometimes overlooked, right? When we look at the technical components of it or we look at what we get out of a camera, there's also, if you're into photographing other people and doing portraits or anything like that, there's also that story component of it. And and I'd even argue there's that same story component even if you're not photographing people. Like if you're doing landscapes, right? Like you've got these photographers that are doing beautiful landscape work or they're hiking with their 4 by 5 cameras and there's just – there's some component of story there that is that is like admittedly very romantic. Like it's very, um, it just feels good to be like, hang on a second, like you hiked with this like beautiful wooden eight by ten camera, and then like you took this time to to set it up and like do all these things, and you're using a loop to focus, and like you took one picture, and there's the picture. There's like this beautiful story that's there. So even if you don't have those movements and that story is attractive to you or that element of being able to add like an annotation to an image that you've made, I think is is definitely justification or reason enough to, to be photographing on large format. I mean, I think that ties into something that like someone like Ben Horn does a lot who like when he does his like yearly calendar book or, or, or print book, I can't remember what exactly the release is, but he, every image that's in there or portfolio book, I think it is every image that's in there. He, it comes with like a, a like a, it's one of those like thin pieces of like, it's like vellum or something. So like it actually lays on top of the image. So you see through it, but you can see like, this is the story of how this image came into being. And I think because you're shooting one negative at a time, you pretty much remember every single shot you take with, with a large format, unless you're like just burning through stuff, like, you know, maybe with like a graphmatic back, but every single shot you're going to remember because it's, it's, I think it's easy on like, especially in 35, but also even on 120, you can burn through shots and not remember that specific moment later. But when you take something like one shot at a time, I think it's, you're going to remember every, 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 every shot that happened, you mm-hmm. know, the story of the moment, like Brian is saying. And I think that, you know, something something like that is entirely possible even in a, a like, non-tripod, uh, dark cloth-like situation. Like, I, I fully intend to be, you know, talking to the person that I'm photographing on the, the street while I'm, you know, because I... I, I don't necessarily want to be carrying the, the camera around in my hand all the time. It is a heavy thing. So it'll likely be in my in my bag and I'll either have like the M2 out on my neck or the Rolleiflex. And, you know, I might pop off a, a shot with one of two of those and then ask like, oh, do you mind if I take a picture with a different camera and pull that out? And I <laughs> that's going to be a huge like shock. To them. <laughs> like, what is this want, thing? <laughs> I specifically want pretty much everything to already be kind of. Uh, set up like the shutter's not going to be cocked but like based on the on the lighting that i'm in my aperture and, and shutter speed is already going to be uh set you know uh it's likely going to be some 400 speed film you know pushed one or two stops so that i can uh stop down and get you know a fair amount of of depth of field while still having some separation another thing that's lovely about large format i can be shooting at like you know f22 of a person like a meter and a half away from me and the background is still going to be blurred if I'm, you know, shooting in a city where there's like, you know, tall sure. buildings in, in the background and, and, you know, streets that go on for, for miles and miles. Um, 
having having that 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 process my dance will look very different from y'all's dances um but <laughs> it, it, it is something that i'm really really excited about and i'm just kicking myself that i i haven't yet gone out and started doing that yet my girlfriend is is moving apartments so pretty much every weekend we've been packing boxes and you know, shopping for furniture and stuff like that. But as soon as she's all settled in, I'm going to be heading out on the streets and, and starting to to take some more photos. Because as of right now, I've only exposed four sheets. Uh, so I was going to ask you, because I remember when you were sh- shot those shots, have you developed that film yet? I have. I've developed it. I haven't scanned it yet. Um, well, technically, I've taken the pictures with uh, the negative supply stuff uh, before mm-hmm. bringing it back to the office. But I haven't converted them. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out with, uh, with the Cinestill guys, if I can use our Lightroom, uh, license, or if I just, you know, will end up getting my own, um, the, the folks over at negative lab pro were, were kind enough to offer us a license to try out the, the software. So I've played around a little bit with it. I've had more experience with the, um, film lab, which is a lot, you know, simpler, but uh, I'm I'm excited to unlock more of the potential of Negative Lab Pro because I I do I do know that it's a it's a more kind of fully featured um, software, but at at the expense of of I think you can do like ten frames, Andre, with their trial, and there's no watermark. Yeah, there's a there's a fourteen day trial right now. Uh, now that you know it's it's fully launched and and it's uh, so I meant the Negative Lab Pro, not Film Lab. No, I know that I've done that before. I've I've experimented okay. with the with the trial thing there. Now that we have like a, a full license, I want to actually start diving in there. There's also a bunch of Lightroom stuff that I have to to relearn, which I'm going to be honest is not as exciting to me as the darkroom stuff. I've just you know put together my little mobile darkroom cart and I made a couple of of contact sheets of one of the shots uh, that I that I shot on four by five, this, uh, you know, backyard portrait of, of Brandon, um, right. You know, my boss, one of my bosses at Cinestill, just kind of in the, in the backyard, uh, drinking some beer. Uh, and you know, that, that process I find so much more fun. And this whole idea of contact printing is, is something that I'm so interested in. Like the, the four by five negatives are big enough that, the work it's going to take me to drag the four by five enlarger into the bathroom, get it, you know, hoisted onto my, my little coffee table since it doesn't have enough uh, clearance to get through the, the threshold of the door. If it's on the cart itself um, is just so much work that I think that I'm going to be having the medium format enlarger set up on the cart and then the large format on the floor. And if I ever want to enlarge four by five, I'll have like a friend or my girlfriend help me, you know, lift it up together since I can't do it by myself. And anything else, I'll, I'll do uh, contact prints with the four by five. Since the vast majority of of my of my four by five work for the next coming months is going to be these these types of of street photos. And when I take a, a picture of somebody, um, you know, I'll ask for some kind of contact info. Uh, to be able to to mail them that that contact print or you know meet up at a, at a future date have a bunch of them like in my bag in a notebook uh, to be able to to take out or even use that as a kind of you know uh, demonstration of like well this is the this is the kind of photography that I'm doing because when you're shooting film you know unless you have some way of of showing 
what it is that it's going to look like, the person has no idea. They're surprised that film is even still made, that that camera <laughs> still works. They're going to think that it's blurry. Where can you buy film? <laughs> uh Andre, did you use the rangefinder for the photos you already took, or were you using ground glass? Because I feel like I saw you take with a picture with the ground glass, but I don't know. I did, so yeah. I I the ground glass. The rangefinder is a little bit out of calibration, so I need to spend some time at some point to uh, sit down and, and recalibrate it. But I've been uh, shooting. I think I did two shots with the the ground glass and two shots with the sports finder. Um, gotcha. So. I, I don't have enough experience with the sports finder to, you know, really kind of fine tune and, and determine what my, my framing is going to look like. There is a little rear peep sight that can raise and lower just like, you know, the, the rear sights of a, of a gun to co- correct for, you know, distance and parallax. Um, but it's, it's just going to take, uh, you know, putting more sheets through the, the camera to figure out, okay, well, here's where I'm going to cut off, you know, I want to make sure that I have a little bit of space above their head. I don't particularly care how far down it goes as long as it's going kind of past their their waist. If I'm doing a, a sort of typical, you know, more or less waist up portrait. And uh, because I want to do contact prints with those, it, because the negatives are, are so big when you're in the darkroom, you can crop down a lot and not lose a bunch of, of detail with 4x5 in the darkroom. But because I specifically want to do contact prints with these, I want to try to get my framing right. And the little uh, pop-up hood on the back of the ground glass, mine, uh, at some point, probably the, the little cloth sides must have gotten ripped off. So mm-hmm. I can see if I can, if I can kind of remake that um, because it would be nice to, if I ever did need to, to, to check, you know, actual uh, focus or just composition uh, on the, the back on the ground glass, to be able to just kind of pop that open, check everything, yep, that's good, and then close it back without having to set it on a tripod, get out the dark cloth, I think would be pretty useful. So there, there are some things that I still need to do on the camera to, to get it to the place that I, I want and to just learn by by doing to figure out the, the framing so that I can get my contact prints looking exactly the way that I want without any cropping. But, you know, I'm really excited for the the journey ahead and the, the more and more I get into the darkroom printing side the more excited I'll be to start incorporating contrast filters into my contact prints uh, to make them look exactly how I want I'm working on a I'm putting together like a DIY localized test strip maker so that you can make your test strips on the exact same area of the image rather than across the image for for split grade printing so you know, uh, this or to, to you, if there's ever any time, you know, once we're all inoculated in, 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 in this <laughs> virus, if you ever want to come over and, uh, and make some prints, you're more than welcome to. You're the person who taught me how to develop film. You might as well be the first person to teach me how to darkroom print. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, we did go to freestyle together. And, and yep. I think we went to freestyle and Sammy's, right? Um, went to freestyle and Sammy's because we had to go to Sammy's because... Freestyle didn't have a dark uh, dark bag, so we had to go all, all the way to, to to West Hollywood and then come back. Um, but yeah, Brad, I had a question for you, and it's kind of four by five related, but also kind of just more general. Um, you talked about like you know making someone more comfortable in a portrait session, and like your most recent four by five portrait shoot, it I think is your best four by five portrait stuff yet. Like, and I've already gushed about it to you, but that was a, with a model that you had that was a new model. 
and you had never worked with before and this was like only like her fourth shoot and she'd never done film so like how did you make her comfortable in that situation i know like you've been doing this for many years with shooting portraits so like you have the experience but what are the things that you did to make her comfortable with the situation and you know obviously the results speak for themselves but it's what a it's a much what, different process than normal. Oh, like yeah, I mean, what, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, it's a new model. I've never met with her before, and it's my like you know tenth time shooting four by five. And we met at sunrise to boot, so I had her out there at six o'clock in the morning for one of her first sessions. Um, yeah, I mean, look, one of the things, and this this kind of comes to the story component of it. Um, I shot uh, when when I photographed with her that morning, I shot two rolls of, of uh, 120 in my Roloflex and I shot six sheets of four by five. And interestingly enough, I started with the four by five. Um, so my first frame with her was a frame that was made on four by five. It was one of those, um, actually one of the first ones that you, that you uh, saw Chris with the light kind of coming along the side. And I think I posted oh, these in the That's my favorite the, shot too. Yeah. I absolutely. That was the first shot. shot of the day. Oh man. <laughs> That was it. That was the first one. Yep. That was our first frame together. Um, what a, sh- what so a I, way to start a, a, a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. 100%. I mean, the thing is, is like what I've learned now, and again, like I'm still very, very early on here, so I don't want to talk like I figured this out, but what I've learned um, in shooting portraits on four by five and in this specific shoot you're talking about, Chris, is, um, you know, there, there, it, there has to be a big component of relationship. Like there's a big, it's not, it's much less like a, a photo shoot, much less like a portrait session and much more like, I'm not going to call it like a therapy session, but it's much more like a, like a conversation. Like you're just, you're hanging out and you're building a relationship. And so, you know, the whole time I was, I was, you know, talking with her and, and, you know, getting to know her and asking her questions and just being a, a good conversationalist. And then at some point, you know, as I'm kind of finicking and getting things set up and we're sort of in a general situation of where she's going to be, I basically transitioned the conversation to then, because it was my first time photographing with her and photographing 4 by 5 with her, um, to like I explained what was happening, right, with, with shooting 4 by 5 um, not in the technical way. Cause I've also seen, like, I've seen actually a lot of YouTubers that photograph models and they explain the technical side and you can just see like the look on the model's face, their eyes glaze over. That's not <laughs> what you need to be doing yeah. <laughs> with, with, when you're photographing people, like they don't care about the things that we care about. Right. So I'm not going to be sure. like, Oh, I'm shooting at like what F 5.6. I hope the app, I hope it's deep enough. Ha 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 ha. It's like, they, like they don't, they don't care about that stuff. Right. Like, like, do I look good? <laughs> right. A hundred percent. But what I found, what is interesting. And I, and I've, I've now been doing this for, for a couple of years now in terms of talking about film in a portrait session is like, I explained this process of like, Look, one of the things that I think is so fascinating about photographing on film and one of the reasons that we're doing it here now together is, you know, there's this physical piece of of film that's in this little cool little black holder that you're seeing here. And the the moment that, that, you know, you and I decide that it's ready to make this picture, you're set, you're comfortable, I'm set, I'm comfortable, that moment that we say, let's do this. Like, let's, let's commit this to something that 
is never going to be undone. You know, I'm going to I'm going to press this little button here on this fancy little doodad and this lens is going to open up and let light hit this piece of film for like the smallest split second of of, you know, of time. And in that time, light is going to change this piece of film forever. And and tonight or tomorrow or probably in like an hour from now cuz I'm like obsessive about getting <laughs> things done like that. Um I'm going to I'm going to now develop this and and you know make this piece of permanent history of 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 your and my time together in this moment that we made this image this very moment and and I often will tell this story I forget Andre if I even told this last time I may have I may not have um my wife and I for for years and years and years we've been together for 16 years every time that we've ever gone on a trip or gone on vacation or gone anywhere, we've always had this um, sort of routine um, or this, this ritual tradition of, of getting sand from wherever we, we were going. If it was a beach, if it was Florida, if it was Dominican Republic, wherever it is, we collect this little bit of sand and we put it in you know a little jar to bring home. And then we have these little fancy jars that we find at thrift stores or wherever, and we get a little label made up, and we put the sand in this fancy little jar, and we have a shelf in our home that has dozens of little cute jars of sand of all the places that we've been. So we collect sand from <laughs> from our trips. And it's this neat little like nostalgic, fun thing that we just do, and we've always done it. And with film, I like to say we're we're doing the same thing, but we're capturing light. We're documenting light because the light that's present now in this moment forever will change this film in a permanent way, never to be undone. And the light is quite literally captured. And so like I, I go on and I'm just like summarizing a lot of it here with, with us because we understand this stuff. But when I'm photographing with, with a model or with a portrait of, of any kind, I have those conversations and those things have a way of, you know, for folks that aren't in this space like we are, they really lean into that. Like they really find it intriguing and interesting and nostalgic and neat and romantic. And so those are the things that I'm discussing when I need to transition into like, okay, we're about to make this image kind of conversation. Otherwise, it's just everyday conversations about like, you know, tell me about what do you do for a living? What do you this? Tell me about this, your kids, your that. Like, so that's all just normal conversation. But when it comes to like talking about the image making process, I keep it pretty high level, but I, I kind of layer on the romanticism pretty hard because that's why I want to make an image on film with them. Well, that Susan was Susan Kane slow clap, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, with that, I think that's a great uh, point to to end on, not only because it, it, it was very beautiful and, and touching, and I think something to inspire a lot of us out there to to sh- to shoot with people because a lot of a lot of all of this thinking uh, and this and this you know poetry that is shooting on film is kind of cloistered in our own minds and and sharing that with other people is really, really important. So if you're not somebody that that shoots, uh, people, you know, try to do so and, and try to have these kinds of conversations with folks. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, I think, I think if, if we can find a way, I think this is, this is the interesting, like, um, 
convergence of what we love as image makers, as photographers, as creatives. Um, you know, we love, and we've talked about this at length. It's no, 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 I don't try to hide the fact that I've got gas. That's fine. It is what it is. Like I have no problem with admitting that. Um, we love that side of it for sure. I mean, I love playing with like a 70 year old camera more than anybody, right? Like that's just like, it's, or as much as anybody, it's just the most amazing thing in the world. Um, but when you can find the convergence point of like using that as a, as a way of connecting with other human beings, I just think that there's, there's nothing more magical than that because you, you connect and you, and you can relate to, and you can just have these conversations that you otherwise wouldn't be able to have. And, and that just creates this common ground for human connection. I think that's what we're all longing for. And if you would like to have a further conversation and human connection with the wonderful Mr. Brian Caparicci, uh, Brian, where can people find you at? I'm, I'm going to go right ahead and say, like, let's let's carry any of these conversations on in the Facebook group. Like, I love the NPP Facebook group. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty active over there. I love to share share work, but I also love to get involved in conversations there. So if anyone wants to to carry on any of this, I'd love to have it in that sort of public forum because I think you guys have done a great job building a, a really strong community over there. Otherwise, if you want to kind of dive into some more of my work, um, probably Instagram would be the best place. And that's uh, just BCAP photo, B-C-A-P-P-H-O-T-O. So two P's in the middle. Great. Mr. Chris Visser, where can people find you? You can find my not as eloquent as Brian self on Instagram at <laughs> underscore Vistifer underscore. And then I also have a portfolio, a photography portfolio website. That's viscerphoto.com. That's photo spelled F-O-T-O. Uh, my long <laughs> ignored Instagram account is, of course, Andre on film. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at negative positives. Uh, you can email the show at negpositives at gmail.com. Send in a call in via Instagram DMs or by just uh, recording a, an audio message with your phone and emailing that to us. Of course, as Brian alluded, there is the wonderful and, and very informative and entertaining Facebook group. That's just the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. Always hard to say that in, in one breath. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on. It was a, a wonderful chat, uh, you know, talking to you guys. Um, Visser, I hope to see you in the, in the not-too-distant future. And uh, Mr. Brian Caparicci, keep on uh, being awesome. And if you ever end up in our neck of the woods, please do let us know. Yeah, for oh, sure. You, you know I will. Andre, should we take bets on when Brian finds a deal on an 8x10 camera and upgrades? <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time. You know? <laughs> that needs to be like, oh, 4 by 5 So, so <laughs> that's fair. Those things are so small. They're like little, little uh, postage stamps. Well... <laughs> To make a, a really brief uh, uh, story, I was talking with Daniel, who I bought the Shanghai from, and I was like, "Yeah, I've been thinking about the Chamonix, um, and obviously the Shanghai is a little bit a little bit heavier, but that shouldn't be a big deal." And he sent me a picture of an 11 by 14 and an 8 by 10 camera. And he's like, "Weight is relative. That's weight." <laughs> and, <I was> like, <laughs> and the 11 by 14 made the 8 by 10 look small to the point where I thought the 8 by 10 was a 4 by 5 next to a 8 by 10, and I was like, "Jesus, oh gosh." So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's Jason so much place the, to go up. 
<laughs> Jason Madsen has a, a 20 by 24 uh, camera here at our at our office that he's been kind of slowly working to to get back into shape. He's going to be making a new set of bellows for it. And, oh, boy, we'll, we'll see what that monster can do. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll tell you, I thought that the Leica Classifieds Facebook group was a dangerous place to be. But I think the large format BST group <laughs> is probably as dangerous, if not more dangerous to be. <laughs> for sure. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for uh, for listening. As always, everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. <laughs>folks we're back for the final segment and a huge thanks to mr andre dominguez everyone's one of everyone's favorite co-captains for his interview with mr uh, brian caparici and chris visser and thanks to brian and chris for uh, joining andre for that interview i uh, hope you guys enjoyed that uh especially you large format nerds out there i'm not a large format uh, photography uh shooter at this point uh, and probably won't be for a while. It's kind of like it's on my bucket list of like things to do when I retire. So it might be a, a bit before I get into that realm. But for those that are, I hope you enjoyed that interview. And uh, I enjoyed it. And I don't even shoot large format. So good job, Andre. Good job, Chris and Brian. And thank you so much for uh, giving me uh, some content for the solo show. Uh, all right. Uh, well, I guess we need to wrap this thing up. And uh, we'll start off with the uh, coffee donations. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, what is it? Uh, www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Only uh, one, one donation this week to mention. And it is, of course, uh, our probably our, 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 our most, no, no, not probably, definitely our most frequent uh, <laughs> contributor to our coffee fund. And that is Mr. None other than Mr. Nigel Cliff. And he has a, a, a note here. It says, excellent show with that bloke with a long, unpronounceable name. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm assuming that means Mike Kukovica <laughs> that we had on last episode. Thank you so much, Nigel Cliff. You are the man. And uh, you're definitely um, uh, our favorite. Uh, yeah, I guess I got to say you're probably our favorite listener because uh, you've just been uh, done so much to support this show. And uh, we, we, we definitely appreciate you. And I can't say it enough. Thank you so much, Nigel. Uh, all right. Uh, the next thing uh, that I'll do before we close this program out, uh, you know, at the end of these solo shows, I put in a listener music track, and I got I, I got I got somebody that sent me something that uh, I haven't heard from, and uh, so this is, this is this is a new artist, a new a musician that has sent me something. Uh, well, not he may, he may not be a new musician, but new to this podcast, I guess you should say, and it comes from Mark Wellsford, and uh, he has a track called "See What She Says." And uh, you're going to hear that after I get all this social BS out of the way at the end of the show, uh, right before the closing song or whatever. You'll hear Mark Wellsford and see what she says. Mark is on Instagram at Mark, M-A-R-K, underscore Wellsford. It is W-E-L-S-F-O-R-D. Mark, underscore Wellsford. W-E-L-S-F-O-R-D. And uh, he sent me a track, and uh, thank you, Mark, for And I think you said you might have some more uh, coming my way. Uh, I, I can use them, so uh, send, send them on my way. If, and by the way, folks, 
Uh, you know, for me, it's a huge thrill to hear any original music you guys create because I'm, I'm super interested in it because as someone who plays a photographer and a musician on, on uh, <laughs> or acts like one at times, I'm super interested in any other photographers in our community that happen to have some original music. And so if you have ever delved or dived into making some original music of your own, and also, you know, if you listen to the show, I'm assuming you're a photographer. I'm super interested in hearing whatever creations you've come up with musically. So I like to put in some, uh, you know, some community uh, original music tracks at the end of these shows. So you'll hear uh, one from Mark Wellsford. If you if you have uh, on this on this episode, but if you happen to have one laying around on a uh, ADAT or a mini disc or four track cassette or <laughs> whatever antiquated technology uh you have some original music tracks or hey maybe you're currently a, a, a recording musician uh send me those original tracks and i'll get them on the, uh, the end of these solo shows and you just send that uh music file to uh, negpositives at gmail.com uh so okay let's get these socials out and uh, we'll hear uh, mark wellsford with see what she says his track so okay um thanks for listening folks uh and i hope you all have a great week and uh, you can check out my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program, send us call-ins or original music tracks uh, to negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. And uh, also, I should say, um, we have the Ghost Challenge the, uh, that we've talked about, the Ghost Photo Challenge. And that is going on on the Facebook group. Uh, it's at the top of the page under the announcements section. And uh, so if you go to the Negative Positives Facebook group, uh, right at the top of the page under announcements, you'll see all the submissions we've gotten for this Ghost Challenge photo. And we've got some great ones. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Like when you hear this uh, episode go live, uh, that's pretty much over. You could probably still sneak in a submission and I won't even notice it. But like, uh, one thing I'm going to ask for people of the Facebook group is, uh, go through that thread, uh, in the announcements and like, I don't know, like maybe like just like your top, the top five photos that you think were submitted to that thread, uh, to help us kind of narrow down five winners. Cause we're gonna have five winners, five big wieners in the ghost challenge, uh, negative positive ghost challenge photo. And, uh, we have five great prize packages, uh, some stuff from, uh, Roxana and Andre, but also uh, mostly, uh, Mr. Mike Padua from shoot film co has donated some stuff for us to give away. So huge thanks to Mr. Mike Padua, uh, from shoot film co huge friend of the show. And we all love Mike. Everybody loves Mike. Who doesn't love Mike Padua and shootfilmco.com. Uh, so check out that website and get you some cool film, uh, photography swag. Uh, but Mike has been just a, a huge friend of this podcast and we love him. And, uh, he's uh, donated some stuff for us to give away in this ghost challenge. So, Hey folks, if you're on the Facebook group, go to that thread, maybe put a like by your favorite five or so ghost photos. And we'll kind of use those likes a little bit to kind of help, uh, Andre, Roxana, and I to figure out who uh, is deserving winner because we got, we got a lot of submissions for this one and some really cool, creepy stuff. So, <laughs> but I'm calling it right now. It's it's kind of ended. You could probably still sneak one in on me uh, in the next day or two. Just saying. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap that one up and and get some uh, the five wieners their their prizes as soon as we can. So, uh, okay. Uh, let's see what else here. Where, where did I leave off at? Uh, oh yeah, the Facebook group. Okay, so uh, you can also follow this program on Instagram at Negative Positives. Uh, 
uh, mostly uh, helped uh, by Miss, Mrs. Roxana Angles has been kind of taking over that account. So if you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag negative positives and hopefully uh, maybe Roxana will see it and highlight it for all of us to check out. And then finally, uh, let's see, you can support this program on coffee. It is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Uh, that just kind of helps us uh, get some money to ship out prizes and stuff. Uh, you know, to uh, so we don't have to dip into our own wallets as, 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 as little as possible to send out these prizes for like big wieners. So uh, <laughs> that's basically what we use it for. So, uh, and finally, uh, if you have, um, uh, oh, if you want some merch, some Negative Pauses merch, we have a merch store, uh, negativepositivespodcast.bigcartel.com, uh, where we have some hats, some t-shirts, uh, a coffee mug that's big enough to hold a beer, which is important for me. And so, yeah, uh, I, the prices on there, uh, is, I'm not really, uh, I think I lost some more money this week. <laughs> I feel like the prices are already too high on it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm making pennies on a dollar or, or not, uh, or actually losing money on most of the sales. <laughs> so, but that's fine. I don't care. We're getting swag out there and that's what I wanted to accomplish with that, uh, that big cartel site so uh check it out negative positive podcast.bigcartel.com if you want to get you some neg pause swag uh lastly if you do any productions where you need some royalty free music uh some some creative commons licensed music uh you can check out uh the multitude of uh tracks i have on bandcamp it is www.mikegutterman.bandcamp.com Okay, folks, uh, it is a new era in America, and uh, we'll see how this goes, and hopefully everybody is um, going to stay positive on this. So, uh, folks, have a great week. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Our next guest will be, I believe it's, uh, uh, let's see, it is uh, uh, Tony Skokovic, and uh, that will be next week. And uh, until then, uh, check out this track from Mark Wellsford. See what she says and uh, hey folks, everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos.
A Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs>